Vintage move in. You better come and chat. I've never been a big fan of cherry baked wells. Do you know what puts me off? Go on. The cherry. Well, glass, like gla- cherry, glass say cherries. Uh, my mum used to continually give them to me, and, and I'd never had the heart to say I, I don't like them because of the, the cherry, yet I never ate the cherry. Well, she continued to give them to me. Just pick the cherry off. I did, I did, and then I had to hide it on the side of the sofa. And then there were just dozens of cherries there. And flies and maggots, it was awful. Grim yeah. business. Yeah. Hume in the, in the 1940s. Yeah, never awful been able business. to eat cherry bait was again. Yeah, yeah. No, quite right too. Mm. I'm glad we had that, that, that one episode break though with the food. Is that good? Are you ready to mm. start again? Well, no, I've had a cherry bait one now. You've That's already had the me. cherry bait well. That's extraordinary. Right, enough for me. Um, I'm still on the frazzles. I think the frazzles are my favourite bit. Frazzles. I don't really have frazzles anymore. I used to have, on a daily basis, I used to have a cheese sandwich with sweet corn relish and a packet of frazzles. That was my, when I was working... And a copy of Razzle. I was temping for an engineering <laughs> Can company. I have a pack of frazzles and a copy of Razzle, please? There'll be a lot of people listening who don't know what Razzle is, Chinch. You better explain it. Um... Especially now there's a, fi- sh- a five-year-old <laughs> in the room. I'm sure it's still going. It's an informative... Uh, instructive magazine for adults. Lovely stories, well told. But yes, I think it's yes. the pictures, it's the illustrations. It really gets to you. Really it really it. gets to certain parts of you. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Hugh Ferris, are Rory Smith of the New York Times, Stephen Wyeth of BT Sport and Match of the Day, and Andy Hinchcliffe of a trifling football career. Uh, writing for all of these things in one go kind of tests your powers of creativity and my powers are on the wane. Our food has, as we've already mentioned, um, transitioned into the cake phase. Mm. We're kind of at the afternoon tea sort of time of the day, uh, so it suits that we have cherry bakewells with Chinch having taken off the glacé cherry and stuffed it down the side of the sofa. But where's the cakes I brought, Stephen? The mini Victoria oh, sponges okay, okay, and the oh. salted caramel pecan brownies? Yeah. Stop looking at my hair, Rory! <laughs> so then they take, then they take you up from the custard, surf shack. <laughs> custard cream! <laughs> Sorry, just because we're at my... Surf shack! Why, when we're at my house, do I have to jump up and down to cater to your every whim? Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I think, I what think do you mean it's a good point? I think what Chinch means is that his costs like four times. I don't want to the eat them. I'm leaving them for you and your family to enjoy. I don't want them, Steve. You are my what about, family. What about, oh. me, what about me and my family? I want some of that. I think it's telling well, them that we've, we've been doing... This is our fourth, our fourth episode in a row and, and tensions are flaring, aren't they? <laughs> Not really tensions, I'd say. I just hate all three of you. <laughs> Chinch, Chinch is a little bit testy because of how the trivia is going. A reminder of how you can get in touch at setpiecemenu on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com or on Facebook, just search for setpiecemenu. What a summer it's been so far. Has it? I don't know. I'm guessing. Memorable things to have happened definitely in the last four weeks. Probably a general election in the UK likely some sort of Trump related mishap in the US and definitely in the world of set piece menu an era defining three parts of a four part series asking what is a legitimate football voice it's funny to think what might have happened by the time that this, this episode goes out isn't it we would, Who have, knows? we would have had a Women's World Cup winner which is something that we discussed on the first episode we would have had a Wimbledon champion which is something we discussed on the second episode uh, we would have had what else happened in the last three to four weeks uh, Stuff. the Copper America would have finished Copper America would have finished uh, about to start again. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, oh, uh, the Africa Cup of Nations would have finished. No, as well. I think that's just, I'm not sure what date this is going out, but the Afcon might still be going on. I think it may well be. I don't know. Uh, the three parts of our four-part series. Boris Johnson could be Prime Minister. Well, that's true. That's what I was what? thinking about the general election. People frankly. from the future. What a terrible idea that is. <laughs> Boris Johnson being Prime Minister. Stop it now. Or indeed don't, depending on your point of view. We have structured what we have done so far thusly, and this 
is a spoiler alert. Part one asked how did we get here? Part two wondered about the relative merits of experience versus theory. Part three talked about the proliferation of platforms allowing us to hear more voices and put our point of view to more people. Part four will attempt to throw it to the future whether that contains Boris as PM or not. And while we're at it, maybe actually answering the question that we posed for once in our lifetime. So are we going to be all nihilistic? Or do we see light at the end of a tunnel we've been heading down with a little too much enthusiasm over the last few months in particular? This is where, when you were doing your GCSE history, you start your final paragraph with, in conclusion, comma, and then you go on to conclude. Is this something that, bearing in mind in the first episode, we talked about it ramping up particularly over the last few years and in Rory's experience, particularly in the last few months, is this going to be diluted in any way or is it going to rise and rise and rise until it boils over with the effervescence of Andy Hinchcliffe's hairstyle? Have we maximised the platforms and the people that we hear from? Can, can, it get, can we get any more opinions in? Yeah, well... That's a good question, actually, yeah. You'd have thought that there's a point at which it becomes saturated beyond... You could argue, but already well beyond that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Well, we're just about to have a new um, platform in terms of Premier League football. We're going to have two days of Amazon Prime, so mm. we will have new presentation teams, new pundits, new formats, new ideas on how to bring fans into that conversation, judging the, the relative merits of fans and yeah, journalists in terms of... If we're all completely honest, they're, they're all literally the same ideas, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But that's, it's actually an interesting point in, in terms of that saturation of that kind of aspect of how we consume football. Will we see the, the way, for example, viewing figures for the Women's World Cup being compared to viewing figures for the Nations League finals? Will that spur governing bodies into rethinking the the access that they give to competitions, especially on a global scale, to free-to-air television, for example. Will the Premier League ever think, do you know what, it would be better for us to have live football on domestic free-to-air television rather than it all to be behind a paywall? You know, the fu- will there be a future in which things start to come back round the circle again in terms of how we consume football? It's, it, it's hard to imagine it for the Premier League. I do wonder with the Champions League whether UEFA might start to think that the fact that so few people can watch it, and it's not just in Britain, it's across Europe, where it's always on cable TV or satellite. I just wonder whether they might start... We saw with BT, BT put the, the Champions League final on, on, I think, their YouTube and their Facebook pages. They, and yes, YouTube for the last two years, I think, yeah. they've done that. And you sort of think, I wonder whether... UEFA might think, actually, do you know what? We need to have some sort of terrestrial presence so that everyone can watch this tournament. Because otherwise, you'd, you'd, you won't notice it now, but you might grow up with a generation of fans, but also players who aren't that used to watching the Champions League, so aren't actually that fussed by it. Uh, the Premier League, I think, is the Premier League will always think we have match of the day, and as long as we have a highlights program on on one of the terrestrial channels, that'll be fine. Um, and that, I think, is, is match of the day. I think is, is more important than people give it credit for. That in terms of an enabling lots and lots of people to watch Premier League football in some form, is match of the day is crucial. Well, sixty to seventy percent of people who watch Premier League football in the UK do so via match of the day yeah. rather than watching it live on Sky, BT, or, or wherever else. And does that give it? an extra legitimacy. We have spoken right back at the beginning about how the fact that people have BBC One on as wallpaper, but at that time of the day, you would imagine, given the content, you would imagine that most people are more active than passive in choosing to watch Match of the Day. So 
are we almost in their hands as to how the future looks? Because if people are going to be watching Match of the Day in huge numbers regardless, do we rely on the BBC and, frankly, Stephen Wyeth um, to contribute to, to our footballing discourse in the most legitimate way because that is the most watched? Not necessarily loudest, because Sky do have a loud voice. Mm. I mean, Chinch, just shouty, shouty, shouty. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... They have legitimacy by numbers and therefore are they the most crucial role player in the future of, of, our, of our discussions? Well, you only have to look at how when Gary Lineker posts the running order for that mm. evening's edition of Match of the Day, the responses to that tell you everything you need to know about how important people view that part of the product in terms of being able to sit down and enjoy. What is a, it's a decent sized chunk of each... Yeah. Each game that, that day, you know, you're talking between eight and 10, 11 minutes per game that you get to enjoy. So you, you're not having to watch, sit through prolonged or extended highlights. And you also would get a much greater sense of the game than you would do via online highlights, which might only run up to a couple of minutes. So it not it really and really important part of the domestic football landscape in, in the UK, certainly. And, pe- you know, that, that, that trustworthiness, the brand the the accessibility to it all ties in with with it being an important part of the Premier League product and as I think as yeah. Rory says he's quite right that the, the Premier League probably have just about got the balance right in that regard yeah I think the Champions League the Champions League definitely lost lost something when ITV lost the highlights program it it makes no sense to me that you should should have an entire competition we've seen it with cricket but to have an entire competition behind a paywall I think is a really is just a really stupid idea ultimately the I think the the thing that's more inter- as interesting is whether we'll see, if, if you think about the kind of atomization of, of the media and the fact that more and more fans seem to be leaning towards fan media to give them what they want, the voices that they want to hear without the supposed agenda and bias of the mainstream media, whether you might see that reflected in, in each club start, and I think inside the Premier League they may, be, they may be expect this, that the days of egalitarian collective selling of TV rights are probably numbered at so, in some way. It might not be immediate, but that, that they, were, they expect clubs at some point to start thinking, actually, do you know what, we can sell this on our own, particularly internationally. Yeah, even if it's just part of, yeah. part of the deal. Because yeah. don't, don't 14 out of 20 have to vote for that, and you'd imagine that more than six clubs down the bottom of the Premier League are likely to make more collectively yes. than they are individually, so they will consistently the, vote the, against... There have, there have always that. been ways of buying off those teams, of, of persuading them persuading the turkeys that Christmas is in their interest so I think that might lead to a greater I think there's a greater sense among the clubs of maybe it's all linked of that they are big enough and strong enough to stand on their own two feet and maybe that's linked to the way they deal with the media maybe they don't need that maybe the clubs gen- genuinely don't feel that they might be right so isn't that they don't need the media anymore that but that is a huge danger is it not bearing in mind the conversations that again we had earlier on in the series about the fact that the mainstream media is being marginalized is being criticized there is surely a lesson that we should learn from that to not go that way so that all voices that are traditionally legitimate suddenly are delegitimized because they are not the loudest voice anymore because the loudest voice are those ones that are coming from within each and every club. Will people get sick? I mean, maybe this is idealistic, but will people get sick of shouting into a vacuum <coughs> and will some common sense prevail no. at some point surely no. come on let's try and think of some beautiful future no. in which people stop arguing over the minutiae of who's more biased no i think it's it's too ingrained in people now i think it's i think what 
I think it, it turns out that humans are naturally like conspiratorial creatures, and they believe that everyone's sort of arrayed against them. That just I don't know. I, I can't. I don't see how you put that particular genie back in the bottle. But if they start seeing balance elsewhere, if if the balance in in the mainstream starts to get to a point where the majority can be satisfied, will will they? Will those who still rally rage against the machine start to be pacified ever so? Well, what does, and this is—I don't want to kind of be all holy. Than that, I'm just what, trying. To, I'm just trying to be what, positive. What people want isn't balance. It's, it's, it's part of my natural demeanor. What people it? want isn't. <laughs> As we all it know. is famously chirpy. <laughs> but people don't want balance. They want they want unquestioning praise of their team. And cr- crucially, this is the other thing that I noticed: is they want not only praise of their team, they only want other teams to be criticised. One of the things that really struck me towards the end of last season was that people couldn't understand. The refusal to accept, and it was mainly the Man, I've got to say it was mainly Man City fans in my experience, the refusal to accept that Liverpool had actually had a good season. The, this idea that it was a fluke that they got to 97 points, that's a hell of a fluke to get to 97 points. The, the idea that in some way what they'd done was being overplayed, as though it was a media construction, that the, the table was Man City 98 and Liverpool had actually got like 65 points, but the media but was just pretending they got 97. That, but that's as much of a fallacy as saying that Manchester City only got 98 points because they've got more money than everybody else. Yes. Both things are not true. No. Both things are are backed up by an as you say an inability to see that any other team can have validity yeah. in their lives when they support a different team. Well if money was an issue Manchester United would have got what 95 96 yeah. in terms of you know if you're looking at well, spend. That's, but that's the thing with with City that I mean the, the money is is a is an aspect worth worth talking about it's very hard to Stephen Bush the new statesman journalist made the point a while ago, that when, when Chelsea kind of first came on the scene with Abramovich's money, no one said, oh, Arsenal should follow the Chelsea model, because the Chelsea model was not followable. It was, not, you, it, was, it was just accepted that only Chelsea could behave like that, that only Chelsea could go and sign all those players all at the same time and have two players for every position, that they were playing by different rules. I think we've become so inured to, the, to money within football that now there is a sense that what, why, why are Arsenal not Doing what, why are they not just doing what Man City do? And the reason they're not doing what Man City do is they don't have the money that Man City do. So I think that, that with Man City, you can't, you can't talk about their achievements legitimately without mentioning the money. You can't talk about their ownership structure legitimately without mentioning the fact that their interest in, that, in the club are not purely sporting. They're just not. And I, I, don't, I personally don't understand... I particularly don't understand the fans who defend the Abu Dhabi regime... I think you can be you can be ownership neutral as the as the, as the Premier League are and say, look, we don't necessarily approve of of our ownership's kind of stance on LGBTQ issues or whatever, but we but we we don't necessarily approve of them, but we are willing to lay that to one side. But that but that surely has an end game. That surely comes to a point where you you have an, a, a limit to which you can over defend something, you, and all well, fans do it for all clubs. Yeah, oh the, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. you 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 over defend to the extent that you are actually either allowing support of something which is not right mm. or you are twisting yourself up in so many knots that you, you, you're contorting yourself around so many mistruths that you, you realise eventually you hear your own voice and you go, oh, that is illegitimate. I, d- I, don't, I don't think that's right, though. I think the way that we've become, again, and maybe encouraged by the nature of social media, that we've become so used to setting our kind of position out and then defending it at all, at all costs. You see it. And again, it's not just a city thing, but you see people, I don't know, defending the war in Yemen and to, to, and 
claiming that they're, you know, or these football, normal football fans, people who, like, who happen to support a football team, taking like an anti-Qatari stance because of the, the conflict between the UAE and Qatar. What on earth are you doing? Like that's just support your football team. So I, I don't, I, f- I find that baffling, the need to not only support the club, but to, by extension, kind of fight by proxy the UAE's pr- propaganda war. I find extraordinary, but I don't see any way that that stops happening because the, that's what these clubs are being used to do. If you're part, but if you're part of a tribe... Yeah, you, you, you're you all in, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that is and you, bamboozling you, to those those of us who aren't part of that especially tribe. Especially if, feel, if you feel under attack from the members of, every, of, of yeah. every other tribe and you're encouraged to think you're under attack from the members of every other tribe and you have this, this mechanism at your disposal where you can not only see the members of the other tribes attacking you, but you, can, you are encouraged to fight back as quickly as possible. It's that, it's that striking out. I think supporting your own team and enjoying what your own team are doing is one thing, but striking seemingly, and the, the ease with which you can do it now, the opportunity mm. to do it, and that seems to be acceptable that's what everybody should do that's what everyone else is doing so that's just that's how the playing field is yeah. now and that's dangerous because you think it was that going to can that get worse now how far can this go yeah Could, but it's, to, be, to take it away from city because that's a fairly kind of pernicious example but you did it with arsenal and spurs that's i mean I, I don't understand how anyone can think that spurs have not had like four fantastic seasons but you will quite regularly get arsenal fans saying you never did this for, for Arsenal, you, you, you know, why are you always bidding up Spurs, what, you know, what is it about Pochettino, he's never won anything. And you think, you must understand why they're getting praised. You, like, you can't be so stupid not to get why we think he's done a really good job. But people genuinely find it offensive that Spurs get praised. But that's not being an Arsenal fan. If you say, yes, actually, that, that's completely true. Tottenham have yeah. had four great seasons. As an Arsenal fan, you simply cannot say that. That if you if you say that you're not an Arsenal fan, which but is I think, ludicrous. But it's ludicrous. But you can you can say that as an Arsenal. You should, I mean, it's it, to be honest, it's, it's expected. Even, it's even more reason. It's performative. It's people are that what it is to be a fan seems to have changed. That it seems to seems to no longer be a maybe maybe well maybe it's not changed. Maybe it's always been like this. But it seems to be that we're, you're we're not just seeing it more. Mm. Yeah, the maybe feelings that, were felt, yeah. but the the voices yeah. were not. We're not there, heard, the, yeah. the, the, generally was Exposure. a vacuum. Yeah. Now now it's actually reaching. It's landing. But that what what you said there, Rory, is extraordinary, really, isn't it? That you can understand. So if you're an Arsenal fan, look, you can be unhappy. Yeah. That Spurs are doing well, and it can make you it can make your skin crawl to hear them getting praise. But that doesn't mean that that credit is undeserved. No. And that's, I don't understand why you can't make that leap. Yeah, I can't understand why you can't dislike something happening, but accept why it is. I don't even mind you enjoying another team's failings. There's there's nothing wrong with that as part, again, as part of the whole kind of range of emotions. But actually ignoring the truth that's that's in front of you. But only having that, that being the main motivator to your emotions is... Is strange, but anno- but enjoying another team's failings should be the preserve of a team that perhaps is even further down the pecking order yeah. and is just looking for some comfort from somewhere. <laughs> the extraordinary yeah. thing we've seen in the season just gone is that the, the, the team that was sweeping all before them, their supporters still seem to take greater pleasure from mm. another what their rival falling a little bit short rather than what they were achieving. Well, let, let's move it away from City because otherwise the lawnmower will actually not be a lawnmower; it'll be a load of City tanks coming up mm. on the. Freshly mowed so lawn. There, there are, as, far, as I said, there are no lawns, so there's no tanks. There's the, no tanks available. The lawn mowered lawns. Um, so <laughs> perhaps what, what we should talk talk about is more generally about levels of self awareness. Will there not be? Am I again? I'm on Steve's track here. Will there not be some sort of 
reckoning where the levels of self-awareness get just that little bit higher where people suddenly realize hang on a minute i'm saying this this is not only counterintuitive this is downright false crazy mad and then even put a window up uh, sorry even put a mirror up to themselves and go hang on a minute that person said who's going to do that for them who's going to do that for them right if they're not going to do it if they're not going to self-regulate who who should be doing it who has the legitimate voice that has any sort of power to be able to say listen and this should be the central thesis of what we've been saying all voices are legitimate including yours Mm -hmm. but to delegitimize everybody else's apart from your own that is not a legitimate course Mm -hmm. of action so who is going to be able to um, come, come, come into football, and um, let's just make it one person, not Chinch. Who is going to be able to? I can try. Sweep all before them, and say, "Come on, everybody, wake up to this nonsense!" Because it's not set piece menu, even though we've been trying for the last month. Do you want me to be the reasons are? Is that what I should be? <laughs> the, the opinion are. police. Yes, I could do that. I look great in collective, uniform. Collective. I have to be an extra large, but I look great in it. Yeah, I, mean, I think you probably you you almost need the clubs to try and diffuse it a little bit. That 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 would be a start. I don't. I, I personally don't think it should happen. But if the clubs could maybe try to encourage less. And I've, one of the things that I actually thought was really positive about the season just gone was the mutual respect between the teams. That you didn't... You, there were no mind games. No. There was no... Once Jose got sacked, there was no kind of poison being dripped into the well. It was all very respectful. That You, you could tell that Guardiola and Klopp basically quite like each other, that they certainly have a lot of time for each other. Same with Klopp and Pochettino. There's, there is a respect there. I think... In fact, Klopp and Sarri, Pochettino and Sarri, they all seen Guardiola as friends with Sarri. Mm. It's boring, wasn't it? Jeez, but, the, but, that, but, but at they, least it was respectful. They yeah, still yeah. found conflict, though, didn't they? Because, as we said in the first episode, that Guardiola, and this last thing we say about City, but Guardiola was, was, was almost enamoured by the idea that the media was against them because he knew that well, Liverpool that, themselves weren't, in terms of not their fans, but, but Klopp and the, the hierarchy at the, Liverpool. Was there tr- wasn't an actual butting of heads. It was the Trump trick. It was the, the, the Orban trick. It was the, the media. We are the, we are the party of power, so we can no longer pretend to be the insurgency, what is more powerful than us? I know, we'll say it's the media, this sort of horrible, all-encompassing octopus of a thing that is more powerful and is trying to keep us down despite the fact that we have power. That was the trick that they would, that City were trying to play, or Guardiola seemed to, seemed to buy into. And it was just so basic and obvious, I'm amazed that anyone fell for it. But I think that... In one, one of the reasons I was so disappointed by what happened at the end of the season was that for, for most of what had been a really fraught year, a really tense year, because everything was so tight, everyone had been really nice to each other. And I think that I don't think you need that fake drama of mind games and wars of words to make... That's not what makes football special. But, that, but they, they have been doing that for a lot longer than just last season. So Alex Ferguson would create a siege mentality. He would find enemies everywhere when they were dominating. Steve, Steve will attest to this, that yeah. he was often in a worse mood when they were winning than he was... When they weren't, yeah. because when they were winning, they had no natural predator. Predator, so they he had to create them, yeah. and he would falsify them, and they would, yeah, they would be the FA. They'd be anything. He would. It, the world is against us. The siege mentality. Well, Ferdy used to complain that the FA was biased against Man United when Man United's chief executive was on the FA board, yeah. and everybody else thought that Manchester United were being well served by the FA. Something that we mentioned before. So it's not. It's not. It's nothing new. So there's probably something to suggest that that won't change either. If you don't have enough foes on the field in the traditional sense, 
then you try and find legitimacy in other foes to self-motivate, to attempt to better yeah. yourself. So perhaps there is there is a legitimacy in so you that think, because you think it that is like a- Fernandinho and David Silva were running around the pitch of the Etihad thinking this is going to really stick it to John Cross at the mirror. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But the, the media must have a role to play in this as well, because if we, we talked about this idea of sort of really extreme opinions finding their way into uh, text commentaries or opinion pieces. And do you know what? Maybe if the media took a step away from that and stopped using that to portray an element of the discussion, you know, this idea that, you know, I'd rather have a weapons-grade strain of avian flu than support my nearest rival. Mm-hmm. That if, we took those, if we took those extreme views out of the conversation and tried to find the more cerebral middle ground opinion, then perhaps that would filter yeah. out. You've, you've got to set an example before you yeah, start yeah. Yeah. demanding yeah. things change. I'd agree with that completely. The parallels are extraordinary. In, in, in politics, again, the, the extremes are having their day. They are the loudest voices and there is this kind of vacuum in the centre ground and I can't remember who it was probably Jeremy Hunt was talking about or probably Boris Johnson both of them equally uh, we're talking if, about if it was Boris Johnson it would have been one of Boris's disciples who was speaking, speaking on, on his behalf, behalf yeah. Yeah. Uh, that might not be too contemporaneous by the time you hear that uh, but there is there, yeah there's n- nobody's in the middle nobody's fighting for the traditional centre which is where battles used to always mm. be fought and it's the same in football it's gone so far one way or the other that you don't have that centre ground you don't have that sensible voice and if it is to to be a voice it would probably be Andy Hinchcliffe's but you, you need leadership and you need someone <laughs> to lead by example because still, here I am because fa- fa- fans aren't going to suddenly say you know what we have got this all wrong we need to check because what, what you're doing I presumably now with, with social media and the, the vitriol and the anger and the aggression is if this is becoming the norm the next generation of supporters will grow up with that as well so they will become the same type of fans and they will think being a fan this is what you do you, you've, you've got the ability to do it so this is what my dad did my uncles did I'm going to do the same thing as well so this is going to perpetuate unless somebody takes a stand and says well really and that has to be the clubs doesn't it have to be the clubs have to be better than that lead by example, they've yeah. got to lead by I thought City would be the one and being approached to say can't you be our guy in the media I'm thinking no no you, you, you could lead by example here and say it's what we do on the pitch how we conduct ourselves what we ask of our fans about how we ask them to behave we can lead the way here they're falling into the trap of saying right this is what's happening on social media so we'll just ca- do what every other club does you don't have to do that you can think differently yeah. and act differently and you're in the perfect position to do that because I think fans would be affected by by a different direction and said look can you just think long and hard before you send anything out there we're going to try and set a a precedent here and do things differently it can be done it'll take maybe a long period of time as well but surely it's got to be worth trying if Man City don't do it I certainly will personally well uh, what are people you know in in 10 years time what are people going to remember the the dominant uh, the dominant period of Manchester City in the Premier League winning you know at least two but maybe three or four successive titles or is it that Andy Hinchcliffe used to say some really nice stuff about them, even when they were a little bit average. So I don't know why you're bothered about that. It's Mm. silverware. Silverware is what people remember. That is that is what quantifies you, isn't it? No one no one looks at Manchester United in the the noughties and goes, "Yeah, they got they won all those trophies." But you know, Sir Alex was he was was he all that great? He was a bit of a grumpy so and so. And Eric Jemba Jemba wasn't a great signing, was it? No one cares about that stuff. They care about the treble in 1999. But also, I don't know whether you saw the clip of, of Gary Neville at Brighton when he went walked through the City fans mm. and got beer and everything thrown on him. And the City fans seemed to be 
enjoying the fact they won the title and these kind of things. I, I was really ashamed of that. I thought, you've got to be, haven't you got to be better than that? Wouldn't it be better to applaud him through you? It'd be funnier, in my eyes, for, for, for City fans to behave like that rather than to chuck pints of beer was, all over there him. Was the, um, there was so the incident with the, with the City fan at Wembley as well, getting into the press box. And th- this sounds really, really holier than thou and really kind of apocalyptic. Yeah. There will come a point where some where Gary Neville gets punched yeah. because this atmosphere is being is being encouraged and stoked mm-hmm. and the the clubs have to be careful. Just the same as in politics that you can try and use these you can try and use this to build support. You can use these dark arts or whatever or the, these 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 methods to build support. But once you cut something loose you can't really control it. Mm. So it wouldn't doesn't take too much to imagine that city fan who broke into the press box just just lamping a journalist and you know it's I mean that, that worst things have happened don't get me wrong but it, that's not ideal it, it doesn't take too much for one of those and would they say I'm doing it for my club I think they they would feel as though they are doing it for yeah, their it's, club yeah. it's the the very kind of and I'm not saying all fans are like that yeah, they're, no, clearly no, they're not no. but it's you the only need one extension yeah. of that performative fandom that yeah. we spoke about well, a few weeks the, ago. Bur- the Birmingham fan who came onto the pitch in exactly. the, uh, the yeah. Midlands yeah. Derby and punched yeah. Jack Grealish. Yeah. There, there was an awful lot of Birmingham City fans applauding him, s- mm. applauding him in the ground and supporting mm. him on social media. Mm. Almost as like, well, Jack Grealish has got a very punchable face. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you can mm. understand why it happened. No, he should be condemned mm. yeah. 100% mm. because then that shows a little bit of maturity yeah. and mm. it won't happen again. Because if you are condemned by the very people you are trying to appease then there won't be a repetition yeah. of that behaviour. And also they were, they were criticising the club for, for stewarding and allowing the guy to get on the pitch. Sometimes there's only so much you can do. It's not the club. It's like you say, the fans and their reaction to what happened should be what they're clamping down on saying, do you not see how appalling your reaction to that situation is? Yeah. Not that you've not got enough stewards to rugby tackle him before he runs on. It's virtually impossible. It's not the club's fault. It's how the fans react. I, I do a, agree. You can't have a steward per person no absolutely not and considering how uh, as Rory said holier than now we've been over the last five minutes and how we've been moralising massively over the last uh, four weeks um, uh, we should probably say that the only legitimate voices are our own and yep. nobody else has any opinions of any value whatsoever. Well, we, spoke of the, we spoke of the Venn diagram of getting the right balance and really that balance is a presenter a pundit mm. a journalist and a commentator yeah I'd say so. Because we're all fans as well, apart from Mm. Chinch, we're all fans, so we offer that opinion too. Mm. Mm. So the answer, the future is probably just more us. Uh, and so we conclude our summer series. Well, nearly, because while you've no doubt been holding on to our every word, let's be honest, this is the part you've scrolled forwards to. There is no drama without conflict and no Whoa. satisfactory resolution to that conflict can be found without crowning a set-piece menu football fun champion of 2019. The contenders have battled long and hard over the last three weeks and all have a character arc way more believable than Brand the Broken. So, introducing your competitors. What? Smith the Sagacious on 17 points. Correct. Wyeth the Wise, 14 points. And Hinchcliffe the Hamstrung. That's one injury I never had. How many points? One. All to play for then, apart from for Chinch, as I ask seven more quiz questions from my football trivia calendar, given to me by my mother-in-law, and subdivided into international cap-related rounds. Look, unless this round is about Crook and Rovers under 13s, <laughs> the sort of mid-1990s, I... I don't think I'm getting anywhere no, near there's, it. there's only four points in it. Why am I writing the numbers one to seven down? I'm not going to write anything <laughs> on this paper in and terms look, of answers. There's only three points in it, Rory. You're only three points ahead. Has he got 14 or 13? 14. No, no, 13. Oh, sorry. In that case, my yeah, mistake. 13. Uh, In that case, I did my uh, wise the wise, slightly less wise on 13 points. Here we go then. From May the 31st, in March last season, so again, the season before last, who became the first Norwich player 
Chinch, championship level. Championship level. You've got a chance to score an away hat-trick since Efenokoku's treble in a 5-1 win at Everton in September 1993. Who became the first Norwich player to score an away hat-trick since Efenokoku that day in March of last season? No. March of last season. Come on, Chinch. March of the season before last. Season before what, last. Div- what division were Norwich in then? Must have been championship. Championship. The championship. Yeah. So basically, I think it's the top scorer for Norwich last season. Is that who no, we're looking at? No, the season at? before last. Oh, the so season before that guy last. That wasn't there. So it's not Timo Kuki. No. no. Oh, you said... 2017, 2018. It was last season when he opened his Christmas present from his mother-in-law last Christmas. 2017, 2018. Who was Norwich's best player and made a subsequent big money move to a Premier League team? (coughs) What What league? You commentated on them. In the championship? Yes, in the championship. I have no idea. I probably didn't do this game, so why am I going to... Which team, this is from Tuesday, June the 4th, we're into June, Chinch, that means we're nearly done. Which team, promoted to the Premier League in 2009, became the first newly promoted team in the Premier League to win their first four home league games? Who won their first four home league games in 2009? They were the first newly promoted team to do that in Premier League history. One of them was against the champions. And in fact, this team has a very good record against champions in the previous year. Have a very good habit of beating them. Mm, Is it Burnley? Do you want to write it down, Chinch? No. Write it down. I recommend that really? you write it Really? Oh, down. seriously? Write, write, yeah. I'll write that down. Write something down, Chinch. I hate you. <laughs> as long as you spell it, B-U-R-N-L-E-Y. Uh, Monday the 10th of June, the lowest attendance for any Premier League match was recorded on 26th of January 1993, when just 3,039 fans attended a match in which stadium? And here's the clue. Chinch, it was your team, but you were injured. Not Chinch's team at home, though. No, no. At, they were the away, the away team. Yeah. Chinch, you lost that game 3-1 in January 1993, but you were injured. So you didn't lose it? Had you played, the score would have been Six very one. different. <laughs> <laughs> I think your clothes might have been cut up, Chinch. <laughs> Would you, would you like definitely yes. cut the gusset out of my jeans? Rory's just done a big clue. Yes. Rory's, Rory's, Rory's done a big clue. He's done a big clue. And we're going to clear up after him. <laughs> Tuesday, the 11th of June, brought this question Massimiliano Vieri, the brother of Christian Vieri, played for which country? And if you've ever heard Christian Vieri talk, you'd be able to get this because his accent had a twang. Is Liverpool a nation? No. If that's your level of understanding of the world, you've got no chance. Look at Steve looking off into the distance, whispering, <laughs> thinking. He does that. That is his resting twisted four hours. Face. I am never going to get back. <laughs> I'm just hoping that something is going to emerge from the hedge. Like a meteor. In the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> There's a US flag on the side of that hedge. I'm hoping the, 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 the flag of the nation that was represented by Christian Vieri's brother will suddenly appear. Next question. Which chinch just draws a big, long, horizontal line <laughs> next to number four. Number five, which KK retired in 2017 with an FA Cup winner's medal in the trophy cabinet despite playing just seven minutes in the competition for Arsenal? KK. 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 What, what year? 2017. That's when he retired. The FA Cup winner's medal came before that in 2014 when he played for Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, next question. Next question. Chinch shrugs his shoulders. That is uh, the universal language that he adopts <laughs> for no idea. 
June the fifteenth. Were you like this in exams at school? By the way, yep, yep, <laughs> yep, that's yep, it. yep, yep. I know it says three uh, hours. Crushed. I'm happy. The rest now. of the room is crushed. Is where he is. Yep, got it. Got it. Which move Scotland on, move on. international broke his own record for the most expensive Scottish player ever when he signed for an English Premier League club in the summer of 2017? Which Scotland international broke his own record for the most expensive Scottish player ever when he signed for an English Premier League club in the summer of 2017? Right, go on. And finally, I think I just heard the uh, studio audience go, oh. Who was the only Chelsea player to miss a penalty against Bayern Munich in the 2012 Champions League final? Who was the only Chelsea player to miss a penalty against Bayern Munich in the 2012 Champions League final? I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Frank Lampard, Fernando Torres, Floral Maluda, or Juan Mata. Frank Lampard, Fernando Torres, Floral Maluda, or Juan Mata. That means, Chinch, you have a chance of getting it right, a 25% chance. Just write one of those names down. Congratulations on your emphatic victory, by the way, Rory. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I've got, um, I've got all of those right. Is, 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 a, is a come from behind victory sweeter than if you'd led from the gun? It is, isn't it, to an extent, yeah. I thought I had something to prove, yeah. 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 But not to Chinch, because he's been I'll dreadful. be honest with you, the, the arc was terribly exciting. Let's have the answers. Chinch has written one of them down. Congratulations, Chinch. You have progressed so far. Mm. The answers are as follows. With the the tension really... Palpable. Palpable. Mm. In March of last season, who became the first Norwich player to score an away hat-trick since Efren Okoku in 1993? James Madison. James Madison is the answer. Chinch, you wrote... Oh, Scribble. Because you, <laughs> you actually put something down. Timo Scribble. He was a great Timo signing. He wasn't playing for the club at the time. The next one is which team promoted the Premier League in 2009 became the first newly promoted team in the Premier League to win their first four home league games? Chinch, the answer was? Is it Burnley? It is Burnley. Thank you Very for confirming good. that out loud during the quiz <laughs> against pretty much all quiz rules. That is, that is 100%, 100% increase yeah. in your value. The next question was the lowest attendance for any Premier League match was recorded uh, in January 1993. 3,039 in which stadium, Chinch? Was it Plough Lane? No, the Is other one? Wimbledon. What? Selhurst Park. Park. Oh, I got that wrong as well then. <laughs> can I have Plough Lane? No, you can't. No, it's because it's a completely different place. <laughs> Spelt slightly differently from Selhurst Park. <laughs> Some of the letters. All right, the all right Chinch, don't get too cocky. As he, as he, <laughs> deflecting, <laughs> deflecting. <laughs> Once again, just make sure that it's, yep, too in bold. Massimiliano Vieri, the brother of Christian, played for which country? Australia. Australia is right. I'm I assuming like Christian Vieri could have played. Like Which KK retired in 2017 with an FA Cup winner's medal? He us. Kim Chalstrom. Kim Chalstrom. Chalstrom is correct. It's not Kevin Campbell. Not Kevin Campbell. That's not. <laughs> That's not KK. That's not KK. Uh, Stephen, did you have that one? No, I, I was too busy looking off into the distance to even write something down. <laughs> but apparently Kim Chalstrom was not... Uh, no, he wasn't written in the clouds. Which Scotland international broke his own record for the most expensive Scottish player ever when he signed for an English Premier League club in the summer of 2017? Fletcher, Stephen Fletcher. No. Ross McCormack. No. Chinch? No. <laughs> Oliver Burke uh, signed for Leipzig and then back to West Brom, I right, think, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. For thirteen million pounds or something like that anyway. And finally, with the scores very much in the balance, Chinch still has a chance of winning. In the balance of what? <laughs> in the balance of probability that Chinch will not get this right. Who was the only Chelsea player to miss a penalty against Bayern Munich in the 2012 Champions League final? You all had a chance to write something down. Stephen? I wrote Torres. Torres. Maluda. Maluda. Lampuda. <laughs> Lampuda is also wrong. None of you had it. It's Juan Mata. Ah, little Juan. Just like this quiz, does it really matter? <laughs> and the final scores are starting from the bottom. Chinch, out of 28, how many? Two. 
Stephen, out of 28, how many? 15. 15. And Rory, out of 28, how many? 22. 22. Oh. And you keep up uh, your 100% record of quizzes taking place in my presence. So yes. well done and yeah. congratulations. Yeah. And so with that, we announce officially that the winner is, to the sound of no more lawnmowering, Rory Smith. Congratulations, well, Justice Rory. has been... Justice. That's, that, Justice. That is the right result as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You are the set-piece menu legitimate football brain. Yeah, excellent. Uh, if anybody got 28, by the way, let us know and we won't believe you. Thank you for your company over the last four shows. We hope you enjoy our summer specials, forced on us by circumstance, but a firm favourite nonetheless. We'll be back with a completely unrelated subject next time. Keep your tweets and emails coming in on topic suggestions, please. And, of course, any soccer stories rattling around in your dim and distant past. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com is the email address. In the meantime, please subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve, to Andy and to Rory and to you all for listening we'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed we should all go on holiday now shouldn't we really what together we do go together it's a bit we late just, to book something yeah we just well, I, no, well I've not booked anything yet have you not no well how organised hang on a minute is this the germ of an idea what, what we should all go on holiday together <laughs> we should all go on holiday together if only we knew someone who had a place in the sun see you guys bye <laughs> just off uh, yeah. see ya <laughs>